2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Welcome back into Sports Talk. Checking in now with Editor-in-Chief of birdrights.com Ali Cosell. The trade deadline's over. The Pelicans had a great win last night, 117-106 over the Clippers. Uh, Ali, how you been, my man?
3: I've been well. As I was just telling Charlie, I'm happy that the trade deadline was quiet, especially after what we saw last night, right? Such an impressive win. Herb Jones, Dyson showed why they should maybe be off the table, right? Especially when it's for somebody like Dejounte Murray, who I don't think is a sure bet.
4: You I, know, uh, you, you know, you know. When I look at, um, and I, we always are pr- prisoner of the moment. Uh, but what I've been impressed uh, with, and um, and we can go in different directions. And uh, Charlie and Steve, we're all gonna, uh, you know, want your opinion, obviously, because uh, you're an expert. Uh, that when I look at to me, okay, now we're thirty and twenty-one. I'm looking at the record. To me, is it, I don't think it's more than this. I think their success has been rooted in that the best players all of are available. Bi as yeah. uh, Zion and CJ McCullum Now they played twenty-nine games together. I mean, to me, it's amazing say, what a healthy team you No, know, it seems like that, that's a, a simple answer, but I, I think <laughs> that's a lot of it. Is that Does that make sense to you?
3: Oh, it absolutely does. Look, I mean, just look at the Pelicans' last – since Zion's gotten here, right? A lot <laughs> of their successes is in whether he's been available or not. Uh, same thing can be said of Brandon Ingram. I mean, last season, the Pelicans disappointed because both of those guys, what, Zion played 29, Brandon around 45, and they missed the playoffs. But the year before they made it, everybody was kind of excited because you had brought in CJ and Brandon played in more games. I mean, yeah, it, it, that definitely goes hand in hand. Looking across the league, it's never been deeper. Most teams, especially the competitive ones, they've got you know great players, right? At least a handful of them, a couple of them. So you need your guys out there. And look, when, when, when this team first came together, right, CJ and B.I. and Zion barely ever played this year, as you mentioned, 29 times. And you feel like they're trending upwards especially after a game like last night, right? Because the biggest issues have been what have we always talk about, clutch time and or just not figuring out how to hang on the leads, right? So basically having right. a killer instinct. I saw a huge killer instinct last night.
4: You know, and, and Ollie, uh, yeah, because I, I thought if you'd have told me, I'd say, man, we ain't beating the Clippers. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I said, oh, the Lakers uh, have been up and down and then AD and then are oh, we going to beat the Trailblazers? So I kind of speculated, but oh, I said, oh, that, 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 that." then you start watching the game. Say, let me see uh, what's going to happen. And they were able to answer the Clippers. But, uh, Ali, I don't know if I've ever uh, seen this much balance. Uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, when you look at where they're at right now, it's a big enough sample size. uh, When you look at it, uh, that, okay, uh, look at the scoring average. Like, Bi is uh, right under 22 points, 21.8, Zion 22.1. So that's basically both 22 points. And McCollum, 19.2. So that's basically they're all scoring about the same. And then, like, uh, Charlie, we were talking about this yesterday uh, with Steve and all. Uh, I don't know. It's like how many rushing attempts the Saints have. While I know when McCollum scores uh, 20 points or more, and then he finished strong with 25, they're like 16-1. and one. So I'm like, I don't know. we got to get McCollum some shots. So he's, he's scoring at least 20 points because until that's broken – uh, I kind of like that formula, uh, a 16-1 and one when he scores at least 20 points.
3: Yeah, look, I've been noticing that, too. And there's another nice stat is they're overwhelmingly winners when he also gets off to decent starts. I and mean, a decent start is just getting four points or more in the first quarter. But here's the thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> the most games out of, uh, right, Brandon and Z, because of that collapsed lung. So he was unavailable for the biggest chunk. So when he's been available, usually the other two have been there, right? So all three have been there on the court. So I think that's the biggest key. And you saw it last night. Right? Brandon, I thought, got off to a nice, steady start. Zion was playmaking, right? He wasn't getting you anything in the points department. But CJ had a pretty decent start, but what a heck of a finish, right? All those threes, those floaters, right. those runners. I mean, he looked like the best offensive player during that last quarter. But Zion's third quarter, where he just like, I'm going to get to the rim and you can't do anything about it. Right? So we saw a combination of all three guys, and when the Pelicans do that, how do you stop them? I think the Clippers have one of the best, most versatile defensive um, rosters right? where they, they were switching everything the last time the Pelicans played them, couldn't do anything about it, but now they had a better game plan, knew what to expect. And you saw the Clippers couldn't do anything really to slow the Pelicans down when all three of their main guys were out there. So I think that's the key. Right? That should be the takeaway. If you're going to concentrate on one guy, they were getting the ball out of B.I.'s hands or Z. They were finding somebody else, and usually the guy that was benefiting last night was CJ. So I love it.
0: Any other word on Jonas Valanciunas and his calf injury, Ali? I got to say, honestly, last night watching the game and all of a sudden when they said he was not going to return, I started getting nervous going, oh, no. Is this not an injury question? Is it more of he he ends up getting dealt before the trade deadline? Thankfully, that's not the case, but I know he is questionable for tomorrow.
3: Yeah, he suffered a legitimate injury. Brandon Ingram crashed into his – calf muscle, trying to chase his defender and just didn't see um, Jonas tripped over him. And you know, Jonas, you could tell, he was in pain, tried to play through it, couldn't. He was limping around. So he came out of the game. But I'll tell you what, he's been questionable before after getting nicks and bruises and the fact that it's nothing major, right? It's not the knee. It's, it's not one of these right. joints. I feel comfortable because it's a bruise. He's going to play. He's yet to miss a game this year. and he, As we know, he's the most durable Pelican we've seen the last three years.
1: Ali, i got so many questions I don't really know where to start, but I'm going to stick with the Clippers game before we start looking ahead a little bit. What you saw from Zion in the fourth quarter last night, he was very passive in the first half. I think he only took two shots. He didn't even have a field goal mate until the second half. But when he needed to take over that game, when the Clippers started to make it close, he wanted the ball in his hands and he took over. And I know the point Zion role has been working out really well. He had a, t- a bunch of assists last night as well. But when he wanted to take over that game, he did. And I just loved seeing that from him. I wanted to get your evaluation on how he played specifically in the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah, we've seen that out of him, right? For some reason, from start to finish when he's on the court, he, he's not consistent both in terms of his aggression, I feel like, and just his shot making. I mean, how many layups did he miss, guys? I swear he probably missed like three or four, and then he had that one miss in the fourth quarter, right? So it was a slew of them where normally his touch is fantastic. But, you know... Fortunately, the Pelicans don't need that. Like, when Stan Van Gundy was here, they had to rely on B, E, I, and Z, basically getting at 30. That's no longer the case. So I like that he's picking his moments. And, look, when you're getting double-teamed, you are getting double teams, you do not want to see him run through that wall, right? Because what has that led to in the past, even earlier this year? Turnovers. So, I'm glad that he's now reading the floor, basically taking what the defense gives him. But when he does find a seam, or what – and I, th- I think he felt the Clippers were a little bit slower, right? They started to lose their energy for whatever reason – and he took a, you know, he took advantage of it, and he looked like the most energetic guy closing out that third quarter, going into the fourth. So, as long as he picks his moments and he can score efficiently, efficiently, because that's basically that's that's his theme, right? Getting to the rim. And if he can't get the rim, well, he's not going to really try and look to score. So, I, I like the game plan, and you're right. A little bit more aggression maybe would be nicer, I think, because when you're going to face these great teams, what if CJ or Bi don't have it going from the outside? That's when I think you want to see Z maybe just look to do it a little bit more. But, again, last night was fine. No issues.
4: Now, uh, Ali, uh, before uh, Charlie chimes in again, I don't know. uh, To me, I tend – I'm a fan. I tend to put the cart before the horse. uh, And I start thinking, I kind of like the Crescent City connection or Chris Paul days and all. Uh, This is even like pre-Pels or Hornets. But I'm Mm -hmm. looking at the Pelicans right now. At 13-21, this is really at the, before they beat the Clippers, the 50 game mark at 29 and 21. Uh, now they 13-21, their best record through 50 games in 13 years. Hell yeah, I am so optimistic right now. Where the teams? Uh, I don't want to count my chickens before the hatch. I guess I am, uh, but uh, listen, I am so encouraged because anything I look at, like a decade, a dozen years, uh, when when I when I was looking at that. Uh, the best record through 50 games in 13 years, I'm highly encouraged right now.
3: Yeah, you should be. I mean, look, this is their 22nd season, right, since arriving in New Orleans. Only one time have they exceeded 50 wins in the regular season, right? No other time. They've come close, had 49, 48, right. 47. But you feel like this squad's got a chance to get there. At first, start of year, you weren't sure. And then uh, they, they suffered some, you know, just couldn't beat the good teams there for a stretch. But now you feel like maybe all engines are firing. There's an easy schedule. It's still one of the easiest, one of the top ten easiest remaining. And when you combine all that, if they can just stay healthy, I really think this is going to be a special season, right? So that to me means finishing the top six. Please avoid the playing at all costs. And right now they're shaping up, I think, to do that and therefore putting themselves in position, hey, outside chance of even hosting a, play, or a playoff series if, some teams above them start falling back to the pack whether injuries or just bad performance because i don't think minnesota okc denver clippers they're all going to be up there together right i know the suns are surging but either way pelicans you're right bobby top six finish we we rarely ever talk about that even being realistic (laughs) but it is now
1: ollie kind of looking at you're talking about the soft schedule and i want to get your thoughts on it first and foremost before I get into the rest of the February schedule, because I was looking at this and my eyes just became dinner plates as I was going team by team, and I was seeing, okay, the Pelicans can win this game, they can win this game, they can win this game, and I don't want to get ahead of myself necessarily, but looking, starting with an upcoming matchup on Friday night, tomorrow night, the Lakers have a back-to-back because they're playing the Nuggets this evening, uh, so you you get a team that's on short rest. uh, That matchup in L.A. against the Lakers, I want to get your thoughts on that before we look at the rest of the February schedule.
3: Yeah, so you like it? For one reason, because of what you just mentioned, Lakers will be on a back-to-back. And, you know, LeBron's 39. And in the past, last couple years, he hasn't played in all the back-to-backs, right? He's wrestled a lot. So I'm sure he'll be questionable. He'll probably play, unless, of course, something strange happens tonight and say he plays 40-odd minutes just to see if the Lakers can win. But either way, AD's kind of coming back to earth, too. Had a great start. And I know there's still been great glimpses, but he's not playing at an MVP level. And so the Lakers didn't make any trades. So you're curious how that's going to affect their locker room when you know LeBron was pushing for uh, Rob Palenka to do something. Then the other thing you've got to remember is it's, it's even a bigger energy drain on them today, not just the Nuggets matchup. The Kobe Bryant statue got unveiled today. So there's a lot of emotions probably running high from that and such. So, yeah, Pelicans are going to catch them at a good time. Plus, they've been in L.A., right? The Pelicans didn't have to fly. So they've had the day of rest without travel. Yeah, I like the way it's shaping up.
1: Ali, you're on a three-game winning streak right now. A uh, four-game winning streak, 3-0 and in February is what I meant. And you're looking mm-hmm. ahead to this upcoming February slate. As I mentioned, after the Lakers, you got the Trailblazers, who have 15 wins. You have the Grizzlies, who are at 18 wins. The Wizards, who are at 9. Then the Rockets, who you just beat. The Heat. I mean, the Bulls. I'm seeing all these winnable games. Is it out of the question for this team? I mean, you were mentioning earlier to kind of make a push for that top-four seed in the West. Is it, I mean, this is the time to do it, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look, you've got four more games before the All-Star break. And since that three-game losing streak, as you just mentioned, you've won four, where you felt like you could get three of them. Well, they just got the hardest one out of those eight out of the way with that win over the Clippers. So if you can get the Lakers, then yeah. I mean, Portland can play scrappy. And for the Pelicans, it'll be a back-to-back. But yeah, when you just look at the talent on the paper, and it start. this is the second half of the season, so bad teams, They start looking ahead to the summer, so don't be surprised if some of them just really fall over. And then when you look at the rest of the month, right? I mean, I know there's a matchup against the Knicks, but they're banged up. I'm not sure if Randall or Ananobi will be there for that game towards the end of February. Miami's been up and down, right? Houston's not as good as they were to start the year. So, yeah, I love the rest of this February schedule, guys. Pelicans could really put themselves in great position.
4: Now, Ollie, uh, you know, some fans, uh, they'll come, oh, you know, well, uh, we can't stay put uh, if we truly go win a championship. I don't know. Uh, you know, the trade deadline, everyone has, we all speculate. Uh, New Wheeling Deal, whether it's Valentunas, we going to go in a different direction, but he's a walking double double. Uh, but my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I want you to comment on this, uh, that, uh, okay, who's part of potential trade deals? And like Herb and all that, I mean, uh, I mean, that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. I mean, I think it depends. Uh, we're not letting him go. And uh, I want you to elaborate more on that. And, and my, my thinking, just from being a novice uh, fan, uh, I'm looking at Herb and, I mean, how he's not a malcontent. I mean, I think he's a great player here in New Orleans. And and uh, I want to say, uh, Charlie, I think, was telling me this. He's shooting 50% what uh, in that corner from the three-point line. So why in the hell are we going to get rid of him if he's the top defensive player? So uh, elaborate on all that trade prospects and who's involved and to kind of ease the fans and tell them how you you break all that down.
3: Yeah, so everybody was on uproar over the last 24, 48 hours because DeJounte Murray was was the biggest remaining name, right, after we saw Pascal Siakam and Nubi get traded earlier. Murray was the last one left on the board, and Pelicans were linked to him. Here's the thing. They were more interested in getting a center, right? Because JV, last year of his deal, and they've been looking for a center for the last year and a half. So Jared Allen played out of his mind in Cleveland, and the Cavaliers have been great. So he's not on the move. That was their number one choice off the board. I think number two might have been Onyeko Kongwu, right? He's He's a backup center behind Capella for the Hawks. But this guy, I think, could be a really decent to good starter, and he's on a good contract. So they had interest in him. But I feel like the Hawks, because they want to move on from that Murray-Trey Young experiment, just not working out, two small guards, that they want to link Murray to anybody. And, yeah, the Pelicans probably had a little bit of interest, right? Because, let's face it, before last night's win, they were losing to good lead teams. Right. right. The Pelicans, brass, you're thinking, hey, we maybe need to make a move, right? Because we can't beat the good teams. But, fortunately, they beat the Clippers, and especially when the Hawks said, we want Herb I know that there's no way they're going to move him. I feel like the Pelicans have three untouchables, according to the front office. Herb is one of them. On a great contract, he's a trendsetter. He's a foundational piece. He's shooting about 40% overall from three, not just the He's doing well overall. And then besides Herb, you've got Trey Murphy and Jordan Hawkins, I think, are untouchable. So all these enviable players that the rest of the league wants on their teams, Pelicans won't part with them smartly. They were going to get maybe Okongwu if it could have been a cheaper price and maybe would have tested the waters on uh, Murray as well, as long as they didn't want Herb. Because I hear they were also interested in Dyson Daniels. And after you saw what Dyson did last night, I'm glad they didn't move for Murray. He's just going to price them out. If you were to bring him on, you keeping B.I., C.J., and Zion, who are making over $90 million together, the would have to become a tax team, something they've never done. So like I said, yeah. I never believed the Murray rumors too much. And, and to your point, Bobby, they're not going to move off of these young guys. They haven't yet. They've explored a bunch of trades. They haven't made any moves because they want to hang out with their young group.
4: Now, uh, you know, uh, Ali, you mentioned, uh, you know, Cleveland with Allen and then uh, with the Hawks uh, and their, their backup center. Uh, so what about when you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, uh with the Magic Center, Wendell Carter Jr.? You know, we talk about style defender, you uh, know, passer, can hit occasional three, but – he was, what, old? I want to say $12 million next season, uh, right under $11 million the season after that. Did he even come into play, uh, that being Wendell Carter Jr.?
3: I think their best bet, honestly, is to re-sign JV. And they can still do it until the last uh, day of this season, right, which is the last day of June. So he can get an extension done before then. I'm, I bet you they're probably working on getting one done. The problem is t- coming up with the right money. Because you can always move him later if you get your Dream Center out there that becomes available. But JV, to me, is a better player than Wendell Carter. Okay. You know, Wendell Carter, yeah, he can maybe shoot a little bit more. He's a little bit quicker. He's nowhere near the rim protector. So Jonas, while he, he's nothing spectacular, even above average, he's at least average. Wendell Carter's worse than that. So I don't, okay. don't understand where you would go for Carter when the biggest thing you want, like I said, is rim protection. It doesn't make any sense to look there.
1: Before I get into speculation here, Ali, because this was a question that we were debating with each other, I want to get your thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies, the matchup that's going to be on Monday. Uh, looking back to what happened in December, in a week span, they lose two games by a combined three points. That was part of that statistic early on where you, you couldn't win a game by fewer than three points. They obviously reversed that recently, which was nice to see uh, in that game against the Spurs. But just an early kind of preview of that matchup and it's getting some revenge against the Grizzlies.
3: Well, yeah, the Grizzlies, I mean... I don't know if anybody's had worse injury luck this year, right? And the reason they beat the Pelicans, I feel like at least in one of those games, because they got John Morant back. Right? So You knew the emotional lift would just permeate through that entire roster, and they played like it, right? I mean, John Morant's one of the best players. But now they've been without Desmond Bain. I mean, Marcus Smart's missing games. I, I, I feel like this team isn't going to be the same team, nowhere close to what the Pelicans see, right? They might have some effort. Taylor Jenkins is a good head coach maximize right get the guys excited comes up with good game plans but they just don't have the talent to compete with the pelicans so i'm not foreseeing this should be anything difficult unless of course the pelicans make it difficult right decide to come in not not execute not be 100 percent focused but i don't expect that either
4: now uh, ollie i'm gonna read this text to you and, and obviously uh you know the fan base because you look at the whole team atmosphere and where we're at uh i'm gonna read this and i want your opinion on this uh I think I might know where you're going, but I don't know, 74, 59. Got to give the coaching staff a ton of credit uh, for the Pelican success. I would go with uh, Willie Green and David Griffin. You know, how, how do you weather the storm? And it always whatever you've done for me lately, I say that no matter what the sport. I mean, you know, people got a short memory, uh, you know, like Instagram. I mean, the reason why it's instant. I mean, is that people are sort of like, What's the, what, today, what are you doing tomorrow, uh, 48 hours later? But uh, we've got to give. Uh, well, what do you think, like, uh, where we at right now with Willie Green and, and David Griffith uh, as far as with the Pels and the team?
3: I love that they've been now on the same page for the last few years, right? And you see, first of all, front office has done a great job of bringing in the talent, right? I mean, they've had home runs over the last few drafts. It was bumpy at first, right? addition to Zion, Jackson Hayes didn't work out, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. If anybody remembers, D.D. Lozada, right? Then the next well, year, yeah. Tyra Lewis didn't work out either. But since then, it's been stellar. So the talent, no problem. Next thing is you want them to work in conjunction, right? And I felt like the relationships could have been better between Griffin and Stan Van Gundy and Alvin Gentry, right? But... That's besides the point. The fact of the matter is that with Willie Green, I see these guys talking every day, so they know what they're trying to get and achieve every single day. For instance, the Pelicans wanting to shoot 43 uh, a game as being a goal, that's both the coaching staff and the front office. They understand right to get the best out of this team in this modern NBA, they've got to do it. Stuff like that didn't happen in the past. And, of course, with Willie Green, I think specifically he's just made inroads in terms of rotations, of awareness, of pushing the right buttons more often. And a lot to do that with that is the fact that he's gotten better help around him. James Borrego was brought in by Griffin because they saw, right? Pelkins offense last year, even though they were missing key guys, could have been operating better. JV, right, Jonas wasn't being utilized as much. They definitely weren't looking for the threes as much. But that's changed this year, and JB James Borrego's had a big part of that. So with Willie Green growing, getting better, right, guys – having the talent, bringing in the good talent. Yeah, everything's pointing up. So Griffin and Willie Green definitely deserve, right, accolade? Because it's funny how fans want to attack the right, right, right. coaches for when they play back. But you're right. How about applauding them for when things are going well? Because they're at the heart of it.
1: Ali, I think I saw a stat the other day that said that it hasn't ever been this late in the season where you had four teams tied atop a conference. When you looked at the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder, with the Pelicans beating the Clippers, they've fallen a little bit back. They're only a half game back of those other three teams that I mentioned. But unless the Pelicans really do go on this kind of surge in February, which they very well might— I think we're looking at this team has positioned themselves well to be a five or a six seed. So they miss the play in tournament and they still make the playoffs, but they may not be hosting a playoff matchup. And you're looking at those top four seeds. I mean, in order, like this is something that we were debating earlier. Which of those teams would you like to see in a potential playoff matchup for the Pels?
3: Number one's got to be Minnesota. I mean, the,
1: the Pelicans So, so why the- is that, Ollie? They uh, match up well. They uh, ma- The, uh, the uh, Pelicans uh, match up. Uh, when Zion Williamson has played, the Pelicans yeah. have taken down the, the Timberwolves. Well, well, and wait, for whatever reason, he loves playing and, against Rudy Gobert.
4: And, 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 you know, exactly. It's like I'm back Charlie. I'm like, all of a sudden, you look at the T Wolves versus other teams and you look at OKC. So, Ollie and Charlie, I want you to enlighten me because I'm like a sponge. I'm like, OK, why all of a sudden you look where the T Wolves are at? And then OKC is like, oh, y'all. I mean, maybe we don't want to play them, but we can handle the T Wolves. Explain that to me, Ollie. Like, like Charlie was mentioning. Yeah. So the T Wolves have the
3: worst offense, really by far of anybody in the top six. They really heavily rely on their defense, which again it can be suspect at times when you play against, like, say, a Zion surrounded by shooters, right? Because they have, or excuse me, yeah, Rudy Gobert and carr Anthony Towns. And one of those guys, of course, is going to be stuck on Valanciunas or whoever your center is, but the other guy's got to go chasing around Zion or one of the shooters. So I think the Pelicans are just a natural, good matchup against that. Um, as for OKC, I still kind of like the Pels better than anyways facing Denver, or the Clippers. I know what they did to the Pels last time, but look, in the past, we've seen Shea, who played, has played at an MVP level to me for the last year and a half, to where he's been locked up by Herb and Dyson combination. And really, OKC, okay, so yeah, they've got Shet, and, and he's grown in something. But he's an experienced. Same thing with really Jalen Williams. So while they're good, I wonder how they're going to react to pressure, right? Especially playoff basketball, because the Pelicans play the exact same style as them, but they're a much better rebounding team. So hell yeah, a, go Pel's!
4: Oh, I like that, Ollie. i are you making me optimistic now? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Good. Let's just avoid Denver, and I'm telling you the Clippers, because all that experience, plus you've got Ty Lue, that, that would be tough to beat.
0: Well, speaking of those, uh, the Denver Nuggets, at least, let's hope they take the Lakers to double overtime tonight. Woo-hoo!
3: I'm with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <Uh-oh. laughs> Get them all tired. Always appreciate the
0: time, Ollie. You can check out his work at com. Talk to you soon, my man.
3: All right, Ollie. All right, guys. Everybody have a
0: good evening.